Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's up, party people? Good to see you this morning. A couple of years ago, uh, Leah and I, no, Lydia, my youngest daughter, we were walking around in Toys R Us. Toys R Us, rest in peace. Um, we were walking around in Toys R Us, wasting some time. That's a big mistake. Take your kids in there. Um, and so everything they saw, they wanted. And so Lydia, my youngest, came up to me and said, Dad, there's a princess castle over here that I want to have. And uh, so we walked over there, and uh, what she saw was this. This is what she saw. And there's a, uh, there's a castle right here on the front of this bag. And uh, I said, how do you know that's a princess castle? And she looked at me like it was the most offensive thing that I had ever told her. She's like, because it's pink and purple, Dad. Like, what a dumb question that was. And so um, this was like $15. And so I broke a cardinal rule that I set for myself. Um, never buy uh, toys that have more than like five pieces. This has over, there are over 80 pieces in this Mega Blocks Lego kit. And so I broke down, and uh, I bought this for them. And uh, the little girl on the front looks like she's having so much fun. Looks like she was being quiet, having fun. So I was like, hey, it's a win-win. Let's do this. Um, so I thought it was going to look like this. So I brought this home, and um, Lydia gets it, and she, she opens it up. We sit down in the den, and she opens it up. And, and so she flips this top, and, and she has this puzzled look on her face. And she, she, she pulls out the, the first piece, and she realizes this is not the castle. This is not, there is no castle in here. Right, Dad? Like, and she's looking at the piece, and she's looking at the bag. It's right there. It's right there on the front. She's looking at the piece, looking at the bag, and she has this perplexed look on her face. And so she puts this one in there and, and pulls out another piece. And this, or this, this is not a castle. This is a very small castle, very simple castle right here. And she can't figure it out. She she bought a castle. She wanted a castle. She, she sees it right there. There's a, there's a little dog right there. There's no dog in here. There's a, a flower, a heart. There's another bird right there. You can make, so like none of this is in here. So she's, she's perplexed. She can't figure out why. The, the, the picture is so clear. It, it's obvious that this is a castle. This is a, this is a princess castle. But every time she opened it up, uh, all she saw was was 80 individual pieces, over 80 pieces that were in this bag. This does not look like a castle. This is not a castle. This doesn't look like a castle. Um, this is not a castle. And so she, was, she thought we had bought the wrong thing. She couldn't figure out. She's like, who's going to put it together? I was like, well, that's part of it. And she's like, no, that's part of your part, Dad. You put it together. And uh, she, just, she couldn't figure out. She thought she had a, this is a crystal clear picture right here of, of what the castle is. And she was convinced that when she saw that, that, that this was what we were actually going to, to, to purchase. And, and so I had to explain to her a few different times, like, these are big Legos, and you have to put what's in this bag will make this castle. Like, if you put the pieces together the right way, it'll make this, and you can make a, a dog and a bird and a heart and a little castle over here. You can make all these things, but, but it starts out as this. These are just over 80 big Lego, Lego pieces, and she was uh, disappointed, uh, needless to say. Um, she thought that she was getting something very different. Um, this is one of the biggest problems in our life. This right here, like, like this bag, that whole story 
is one of the biggest problems that we face. It's one of the major, major points of, of frustration for us, and it happens in our marriage, it happens in our job, it happens with our finances, it happens in our relationships, it happens with what we do have and what we don't have when things don't go as planned, and even when things do go as planned, this, this symbolizes the big problem that we have in our life, one of the biggest frustrations, because here, here, here's, here's how we operate. Every person in here has a picture of what they want their life to be. Every person in here, you have a picture of what you want your marriage to be, what your financial picture could be, what your dream job is, what your, your emotional health and stability, what your home life will be. You, you have a picture, and it's clear, like every person in here, it's clear of what you want it to be, and you have this, this dream that, that you know, this vision, this plan, this purpose, this overall goal for your life, just like this, and it's, it's printed on the very, the very front of our minds, and, and, and this is what happens. We have a plan for how it should be, how it should look. We even have a plan for not only how it should be and how it should look, but we got a plan for a timeline. Uh, we know when we want this castle built. Uh, we know when our marriage or when our relationships or when our finances or our job or, or our spiritual life or our physical or emotional life. We have a clear picture. Everyone in here has a clear picture of what they want that to look like. And, and, and in, in, in fact, the way that life plays out is pretty much the opposite of this. See, even if you're a Christian, if you've got an idea and you know that God has a plan, you know that God has a purpose, you know that there's a dream just like Joseph had a dream for his life, you know that, that God has promised certain things in Scripture and laid out certain things about our life and promises that he's faithful. And even when we get that, we understand that, we trust in God, we say, God, I know, I know what you say about my life, I've read your word, I'm studying it, I'm following it, I'm being faithful, I'm being obedient, I know you have a plan. I know you've got a purpose. I know you've got a timeline. I know everything fits together and, and every single thing fits into a certain place. And we even make a decision in our hearts to, to follow God. We make a public decision. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love you. And, and this, is the, this is the picture. And, and, and then this is what happens. God hands you this. And you look and say, I mean, this is not that. This, <laughs> what is this? What is this guy? We've got a picture in our minds of what it all should look like, but yet every day God hands us a piece. And maybe one piece is symbolized by one day in your life. Maybe one piece is a season in your life. Maybe, maybe you look back at the last five years, and, and after five years of loving and trusting that this is all you have. Three pieces that are not a princess castle. Three pieces that you have no idea how they fit together. You have no idea what it should be or how it got here. And, but this is all you have. And like, can, I just, can I just be real with you? That's frustrating. That's frustrating when you've got a clear idea of what you want your life to be. And it's a, it's a, it's a God-honoring, God-following plan. You know it's what God's laid on your heart. You know that you're doing the right thing. You know you're pursuing what God has called you to do and, and, and what you need to be doing in your life, but all of a sudden after maybe months, maybe years of doing the right thing, you look down and this is all you have. This is not a castle. This is not the picture you had in your mind. This is not how you thought it would be. This is not how you thought it would work out. And this is surely not the timeline 
that you thought God was going to work. You thought it would have already been happening by now. You would at least see some, I mean, come on, maybe, maybe your whole picture isn't there, but I figured I'd have more than four pieces. And, and one of the pieces wouldn't have all these hooks and stuff on that. I don't even know what those are. Like, I, I don't understand anything, anything about this. And just like my daughter was frustrated when she saw this picture and she opened up the bag and all she saw was over 80 pieces of things that did not look like the picture she had imagined, did not look like the life that she wanted, did not look like this, this toy that she was putting together. It can be frustrating, really frustrating. And it can bring us to a point multiple times in our lives, marriage, relationships, finances, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and we look up at God and, and we're holding three seemingly random pieces in our life and we say, God, are you kidding me? This is it. This is it. No, God, this is it. This isn't it. This is what I'm talking about. This is the dream. This is the goal. This is the purpose. This is the picture. This is my life. This is my marriage. I've been doing the right thing. I've been saying the right things, I've been following you, I've been faithful and obedient. Why do I only have this? Because this is not the picture that I had in mind. This, this is just a seemingly random group of, of pieces. And so at that moment, we have a couple of different choices that we can make. Uh, the first thing you can do is give up. You can give up. You can just say, this is, not, this is not a castle. This is not what I wanted. And so, God, I'm going to put this back in here. And this life and your plan and your promise, you can have that. That's, that is not what I expected. I'll, I'll just, I'm not interested anymore. So we can choose to, to give up and throw it all away. And, and don't be mistaken, there are people that choose to give up and throw it all away all the time. Because they're looking at the pieces and they're looking at the timeline and it's not what they thought it would be. It's not the dream that they had in mind. The second thing that you can do is uh, you can stop trusting. You can stop trusting in God. You can stop trusting that he has a plan, that he can actually do anything, that he knows what he's doing, that he's all-powerful, that he's all-knowing, that there is a plan, that there is all of the pieces together, that there is a timeline that, that we should have and that we should implement in our life. But here's the problem. Eventually, we look at our lives, and, and this is all we have. We have three or four random pieces that we can't even explain. We don't know where they deal with. And here's what we'll do with God. We'll say, hey, i tell you what, God. <laughs> Obviously, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Good try, A for effort, I appreciate it, but why don't you hand me the reins? Why don't you let me take it over? Like, obviously, you are not working fast enough. You have handed me some pieces, and it's these pieces, you either gave them to me too soon or too late, or these are somebody else's pieces. These are not my pieces. This is not how I wanted to put it together. And so we end up taking our lives back from God. We once trusted him. We once put our faith and hope and, and trust in him, and, and now we don't believe in him anymore because these pieces don't make any sense. And, and here's what we try to do. We take the pieces that God has put together, and we say, well, I'll build something with it. You ever tried to build something or put together a puzzle where you didn't have all the pieces? Oh, man, you can't do it. It's frustrating. Whatever you build, it will not be anywhere near as great as if you had all the pieces together and you had the instructions. But that's what we do sometimes. We'll say, God, you don't know what we're doing. I'll take control of my life. I'll put my trust and my hope in, in me. I can't wait. You don't know what you're doing. You're not giving me the right piece. I don't even know what that means. That's the second choice you can make. The third choice is that you can simply trust God. You can trust God that he has a plan. You can trust God that even though you are crystal clear on this picture, crystal clear on what this is, 
and you are well aware that you are not there yet, that you don't even know what this looks like, the, the head of a dinosaur right here. You don't even know what this piece goes to. But you can say, all right, God, you know. you got a plan. You know what it is. You know where we're going. You know what the picture for my life is. I can't really explain this right now. It doesn't look like what I want. It's not happening when I want it to. But I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. And instead of taking the reins away, and instead of just swiping all of the pieces off the table and quitting and just giving up on this whole dream and the purpose and the plan that God has for you, you can just ultimately trust in Him. You can trust that He will give you the exact right pieces at the exact right time, and that He is very well aware of the picture that He is building with your life. Very aware that He knows what He's doing, that He is in total control, and even if it doesn't make sense to me and you, we can rest assured that God still knows what he's doing. God is still active in that way. God still has a plan that he's implementing. Today, um, as we close down this series in, in Joseph, going to the last chapter of the book of Genesis. Um, if you haven't been here, it's, it's cool because like even this last story, even if you don't know any of the story, uh, this last story, and last part, last few verses of this chapter is, is pretty powerful, and what I want to do is I want to share a few things with you on how you can trust in God even when your life looks like this. Like no idea, just a, a jumbled mess. Doesn't look anything like the front of the package does. Like how can you trust in God when your marriage looks like this? How can you trust in God when your finances are in 80 plus pieces? How can you trust in God when you've been praying and calling and asking and this is what it feels like God's done? Good luck. How do you trust in God when that happens? At the end of Joseph's story, this is pretty much the definition of Joseph's life right here. A whole life scattered out, seemingly random, seemingly like, like nothing fits together. Nothing looks like there's any purpose or drive or meaning or, or final destination behind any of it. And yet, Joseph pulls it all together at the end. And, and I want to share with you how you can be faithful at that point. And can I just be honest? It's just us in here, right? Every one of our lives looks like this. Every one of them. Now, some of us are, are more put together. Some of you may have more pieces put together in your life. But none of us see the whole picture. None of us. Your marriage is not all put together. Your spiritual life, your emotional health, your, every part about your life, none of it is all put together. If God were done with your picture, then you would be dead. Like God's, God's done with you, so it's just time for your life to end. But the very fact that we are here today breathing together is a testament that God is not done building your picture yet. That there are still some puzzle pieces that are missing. And I know that's crazy because you look at your life and be like, oh man, I don't, I don't, this doesn't look like what I thought it was, and I got a bunch of random pieces. God is not done building yet. God is not done. And Joseph remembered that. Joseph realized that. If God were done with you, then you'd be dead, and you're not, and so you know he's still building. You know, this picture is still being put together, and so I want to look today, just, just to, to some extent, I know all of our lives look like this, and this is what Joseph's life looked like as well. And so how do you remain faithful with that? 
How can you remain true? How can you keep from turning your back on God and walking away and just giving up on life altogether? How do you keep from pushing God away and gathering all these pieces and say, well, I'll try to build something with it. I'll try to do something. This is exactly what Joseph did. At the end of the story, I'll catch up, Joseph's family has been reunited. He's been separated from his brothers and his mother and father for over 20 years. And God orchestrates this story where all of them are reunited. Joseph loved his dad loved his mom, forgave his, his brothers, and so he moved them to Egypt during a time of famine where they would have plenty. Uh, they had food, they had a great home to live, and they had everything that they could possibly imagine. And they lived out the rest of their days in Egypt um, as, a, as a united family. And finally, at, at a very ripe old age, Joseph's father passes away. Jacob dies and They just celebrate his funeral. They just buried him. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, here's what happens right after the funeral is over. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said this. What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all of the wrong things that we did to him? So here's this idea that they know. Joseph's brothers knew that Joseph loved their dad. I mean loved their dad so much. We learned at the beginning of the story that Jacob was Joseph's favorite son, right? And so they had a really close bond. And here's what the brothers started to think. Maybe, maybe Joseph just didn't want to see dad upset, didn't want to see dad mad, and that's the reason why he forgave us. And the reason why he didn't kill us is because he knew that dad would be heartbroken over it, that dad wanted the family to be reconciled. And so there's no way Joseph would ever say or do anything to upset dad. But dad's dead. The only thing in their mind, the only thing that was keeping Joseph from getting even with us or killing us or treating us poorly was the fact that dad was still alive and dad would be heartbroken if he saw Joseph do that to the family and to us. And, and so they begin to worry. They begin to worry, and it begins to pop back into their mind, what what if the only reason he forgave us, and the only reason that he helped us, and the only reason that we are still alive today is because our dad was alive, and Joseph didn't want to do anything in front of dad. And now that dad is dead, there's nothing between Joseph and his brothers. There's nothing keeping something really, really bad from happening. Remember what they did to him? The brothers betrayed Joseph. They beat him, left him for dead in the bottom of a pit, pulled him out, and sold him into slavery. That's that's pretty bad. And then it it just began a domino effect of Joseph's life meeting barrier after barrier after barrier. It all started with the brothers, and they betrayed him, and they hated him, and they beated him, and they threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery, and falsely accused of rape, two years in prison, like just awful, awful life. That's all they could think about. They replayed that. What is Joseph going to do to us now? What's going to happen as a result of that? And these actions were the first dominoes to fall in an incredibly difficult life for Joseph. Like, don't kid yourself, he had a hard life. A lot of difficult things happened to him. Completely lost his dignity and respect. Had no family, no friends. Completely severed all his relationships. And so now they're they're worried about what Joseph's going to do to them. Verse 16. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. 
I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongdoings they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. They said, please don't kill us. We'll, we'll, we'll become your slaves. You can, you can treat us like dirt. You can make us do anything you want to. Like just, just please don't kill us. I know dad all asked that you would forgive us and asked that you treated us kindly even after he died. But please, please don't, don't kill us. And it's interesting here. The only thing they can think about was the mistakes that they made. That was the only thing. The only thing that was playing over and over and over in their mind were the mistakes, were the things they did wrong, the times they dropped the ball, the times they disappointed, the times they made the wrong decision, the times they had the wrong attitude and had the wrong actions. That was the only thing that was playing over and over in their mind. Here's what I know. If you get stuck in the past, you will never be able to move into your future. These brothers weren't able to see anything ahead of them because they were stuck on what they had done to Joseph 25 years ago. And that past can play the same in our lives today. You and I can be stuck in the past, something that bad that happened, a mistake that we made, a difficult season that we went through. And that can actually keep us captive into moving in the future that God has for us. And that was what was happening to these brothers in this passage. Maybe it happened to you. Maybe it was something a long time ago. Maybe it was something that just seemed really little at the time, but now has blown up in your head and you're still struggling with it. It evokes fear. Every time you think about this person or that event, it's bitterness, it's anger, it's resentment, it's it's outrage all over again. It's bringing to you that point where you just say, are you, are you kidding me? Maybe you haven't learned how to forgive others. Maybe you haven't learned how to forgive yourself. These brothers obviously had not forgiven themselves. They had not moved past what they did to Joseph. They didn't understand that Joseph had forgiven them. And I think it's interesting, Joseph's response to that. Scripture said when, when Joseph found out that they were still upset, he wept. He was heartbroken for them. He knew that they were still enslaved to their emotions. He knew that they had still not forgiven themselves yet. And Joseph knows with that comes bitterness and it becomes pain and it becomes anxiety. And he, he was actually felt sorry for his brothers for feeling that way. Couldn't, couldn't believe that they were still worried about that. Couldn't believe that they would feel like they needed to fall on their face in front of their brother and, and, and ask for forgiveness. Here's Joseph's response. Verse 19, but, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am, am I in the place of God? He's like, I'm not going to judge you. Only God can judge you for the things that you do. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to punish you. Don't be afraid. And then verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What you intended as evil, what you intended as bad, what you intended as harm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say like you didn't mean something really nasty by these actions, by what you did to me, but what you did as evil, God turned into something good. In other words, Joseph knew this. Check this out. God did that on purpose. 
God looked at his brothers and said, God did that on purpose. It was just a piece of the puzzle. And you don't understand that. You can't see the big picture. You guys are just focused on the one or two pieces that we have left. But look, this is bigger than that. What you intended as a, a piece to destroy me, God used as a piece to build me up and to take me where he actually wanted me to go. I want to share with you three things. If you're taking notes, you may jot these down. Three things for your life to not reach this point where it's broken and shattered and you're turning your back away from God. But that you can actually say something like legitimately look at the things that have happened in your life and say, I know there are some difficult things, there were some hard things, there were some bad things and some tough seasons, but God, but God did something positive out of it. God knew this was my story. The first thing that we have to understand, the brothers did not see this, but Joseph understood it, is this. Where you are right now is a small scene in a big story. Please don't forget that. Where you are at your point in your life, in, in your marriage, in your walk with Jesus, in, in your job, with your finances, with your problems, your health, your spirituality, it's, it's a small scene in a larger story. See, Joseph realized that. Joseph was able to look back on, on his life, this, this movie, this play that is playing out, and he saw some rough scenes. Like He saw some scenes where his back was against the wall. He saw some scenes where, where he was really hurting and really struggling. And he, he saw the scene where he was in jail for two years and didn't hear anything. Like no knock on the door, no hope, no nothing. He saw the scene where he was at the bottom of the pit and he didn't know if he's going to get out alive. His brothers had just beaten him, taken his robe, and were scheming against him. He saw the scene where 20 years he was separated from his family. 20 years he had no idea if he'd ever see anybody that he loved again. But here's what Joseph saw. They saw he saw it as a scene and a part of a larger story that God was telling. But the brothers only saw it as a scene. Here's what the brothers did. 25 years ago, when they threw Joseph in the pit and sold him into slavery, they hit pause. They hit pause in a point in life that was a very dark moment, a very tough time. But Joseph didn't hit pause. Joseph realized this is a much bigger story that God is trying to tell. Please, please, don't get stuck in a time in your life. Don't hit pause in a moment that God intended as a transition. Like God's getting you somewhere God is allowing certain things to happen. God is, is taking all of the things, all of the pieces of your life. And it's easy to hit pause when your castle is half built. It's easy to hit pause when, when you feel like giving up. Don't hit pause in a moment where God was simply using as a transition. He was getting you from one place to the other. And I know the middle is sometimes dark. I know the middle is hard. I know the middle is frustrating and exacerbating. But, but don't hit pause in a time in your life that God intended to be a transition. They were focusing on everything wrong that they had done in the past. Everything bad that had ever happened to Joseph. They focused on that. But Joseph stepped back and understood. It's just one scene in a bigger story. This is not my whole life. You ever been in a tough season where it feels like this is your whole life? Like everything about my life has fallen apart. Everything about my life is hard. Everything is frustrating. We've been in this season for so long, and I know, I'm not downplaying that. I know it's hard. I know sometimes days turn into months, turn into years. But remember, 
it's a small scene in a much bigger story. God is telling a story. He's building something with your life. Don't hit pause in the middle of the construction. Don't get your head down on the most difficult things. Joseph understood that. So many times in our lives we have paused in the wrong place instead of allowing God to continue to build and, and understand that this is a much bigger story. Verse 50, or chapter 50 of verse 20, it's one of those verses where if you, if you grew up in the church, maybe you've heard that a lot, maybe you've memorized that a lot. You intended it for bad, but, but God did something great out of it. God intended it for good. I, I want to point something out really quick, math equation, okay? I want you to pay attention to what Scripture says. There's evil, and then there's God, and then there's good. There's harm. You meant it for harm. Then in, in the passage it says, and then God, and then it finally got, got to good. So the, those are the three words that I want you to see because the brothers meant evil, God intervened, and now Joseph said he showed up. See, whenever, whenever you insert God into the equation, things change. Right? It doesn't matter if you start with evil or not. When you insert God, you meant it for harm, insert God, now it's good. Now he can redeem it. Now he can use it. Here's our problem. We're trying to move from evil to good without God. It doesn't work. We're trying to take the harmful things that have happened to us in our lives, and we're, we're, like, we're, we're believing that we can be better. We're believing that it can be good. We're believing that like, we'll just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We'll grind it out. We'll do whatever it takes, and eventually this will turn into good. It doesn't work like that. You can't take God out of the middle of the equation and expect to get the same answer. You can't start with evil and expect that one day you're going to get to good and forgiveness and joy and, and contentment and passion and fulfillment and see your whole picture built. You can't do that if you skip God. And Joseph knew that. He's like, man, I'll be honest, guys. I know some bad things have happened in my life. I know this has been hard. I know you, you did some wild things to me that hurt me drastically. But God intervened. And now here I am, second in command in Egypt. Can you believe that? Second in command in all of Egypt. How does someone end up second in command in all of Egypt? He's never run for political office. He has no resume. He has no background. Come on, listen to this. Dude is not even an Egyptian. He's second in command in Egypt, and he's not even from there. What if we had a vice president that wasn't even American? How do you do that? God. That's how you do that. God has a plan. God can take something meant for evil and turn it into something beneficial. That's how you do that. Don't mess up the equation. Don't think you can go from evil to good without God. Joseph understood that. Joseph knew that God can take you places and can open up doors in, my, in your life that you could never open up on your own. God can take you places and open up doors that you never dreamed possible. You can't do that. You can't move from, from evil and harm to good and prosperous without God. Joseph understood that. He put all of the pieces together. You may be on the verge of throwing in the towel. You may be ready to quit. You may be frustrated. It may be very difficult right now, and it looks like you're in a, a long season of, of frustration but if you want to see that harm turn into good, you can't skip God. If you're frustrated from trying to turn that bad into good, you got to take a step back and say, man, have I given this to God? Is God in the middle of it or am I still trying to weave these two pictures together? 
Joseph said, what you intended for bad, God intended for good. Last thing is this. When you walked in, um, there's a little golf ball. I don't know if you noticed that um, right there in the chair. Um, I'm a, I'm a, a below-average golfer. Um, I've been playing golf since I was in the eighth grade. And um, you've heard this saying, practice makes perfect. That's not true. Um, because I've been playing golf for a long time, and I'm still pretty, pretty terrible. Um, if you look at that golf ball, when, when the game of golf was first invented a couple of hundred years ago, um, golf balls were completely slick. They were smooth on the outside. Same, same size, made with different materials, but they were completely smooth. And um, guys would go out and play golf. Maybe some gals would play golf. And um, here's what would happen, though. After a while of hitting this ball, uh, eventually they would uh, pull a Nathan, is what I like to call it, and their ball would hit a tree, or their ball would bounce on the cart path, uh, or, or they would hit the, the ball in the same spot so many different times that the, the metal club would actually put a little indention or a little, a little cut in the golf ball. And, and uh, man, back in the day, golf balls were handmade. They were expensive, and so it was frustrating uh, when you dented a golf ball or there was a little dimple or a scratch in a golf ball because then you had to throw it away and use a brand new golf ball. Well, there were some uh, bargain golfers uh, that decided that uh, they would keep playing. Like they couldn't afford to, to buy a new golf ball every time they hit a tree. And here's what they learned. They would take these balls, these golf balls that used to be completely smooth, and unfortunately it would hit a tree or it would bounce on the pavement and have a scratch on it, and they would tee the ball up, and they would hit it again, and guess what happened? The ball went straighter. The ball that had a scratch on it, that had a big dent on the side of it, that ball would actually fly further than a ball that was completely smooth. And like, that didn't make sense. Like, how, how does a ball that's beat up and has all these scratches and dents on it, how is that better? And so science finally caught up with it, and they realized that, like, drag against the wind and direction. And, and did you know that if there's actually some texture on the outside of a golf ball, if there's some small dents and scratches, that it cuts down on the spin of the ball and allows the ball to go further and straighter? It actually helps. And so now... Billions of dollars later, now golf ball companies know the exact layout of a ball. They know exactly how deep the, the, the little dimple should be, and they know the sh exact shape and how they should be spaced apart. And, and now, today, you can't buy a completely smooth golf ball. Every golf ball has dimples on it. Here's what Joseph realized. That along his life, he got some dents. He had some hard days. He had some times where he backed up and says, you know what, man, I, there's some scratches here. There's some scars. There's some times where it feels like my marriage has hit a tree. It feels like financially there's been some times where my ball is skipping down the cart path, getting chewed up every time it hits the concrete. There's some times where it feels like I've hit my life to so many re-hits on this special area, this specific area of my life that I've put, put a brand new indention in the side of the ball. And Joseph realized that when our life gets a dent, when it gets a scratch, when it gets an indention, did you know that God can actually use those things in your life to help your life go straighter and further? 
that there's a possibility that maybe the things that God has allowed you to go through, the things that he has orchestrated around you were a season, not a pause in the scene, but were just a part of a bigger story. That maybe over this past season of struggle and pain and disappointment and frustration and looking at God and saying, are you kidding me? Is this really what's going on? Maybe God actually wanted to use that to help you get to where he wanted you to go. And just like that golf ball, now that you've got a little experience on you, now that you've been through some things, God can actually take you further. And you'll get there faster than you could have ever done on your own. Joseph knew that. Joseph knew that even the things that were bad, the scratches, the dents, and the dings, even those things could be used for the glory of God and for the advancement of his own life and the construction of his castle could continue. And he took great faith and hope in that. Right now, it may be, it may be that God is still putting the pieces together. And you don't know what it's going to look like and you don't know how long it's going to take. You can't see the whole picture. You don't have it quite figured out. But I want to challenge you to keep the faith. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep believing that God's not done yet. Keep believing that, that a few dents and a few dings in your life is not going to stop you. It won't prevent you from reaching. It, it actually may help you get there faster. And God may actually use it to draw you closer to him and put another block in your castle, another piece of the puzzle in your life. There were some tough scenes and hard seasons in life, but one scene for Joseph did not tell the story, did not show the whole picture, and it's the same with you. Because if you keep trusting, one day you'll see that God knew what he was doing all along. You'll see that God had a plan all along. You'll see that God gave you the exact right pieces at the exact right time and that he's trustworthy and that you can continue to trust him. One day, hopefully, you'll be able to say, God intended it for good to accomplish what he wants me to do in my life. Boy, what a great moment that'll be.